You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. companies or divisions. I'm a freelancer. I fight where I want. I come and go as I please. I'm a soldier, but I only answer to my commander in chief, the president of the United States of America. There are those who say I'm not responsible or accountable, and I'm not linked to any pastor, elder, or group of brothers. I only answer to Jesus. You know, although Jesus is indeed our commander in chief, we indeed answer to him. He has chosen the work through the structure of the church, and there is order and authority in the church structure. And we need to recognize that. The church is not a collection of lone agents all carrying out their individual missions in isolation. As Pastor Dave reminds us in today's message, we are one body with Jesus Christ as the head. You can't do this alone. You need your fellow believers to walk alongside you, providing support and accountability. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of Acts chapter 15 as he begins his message, The Division. You are In our study at Calvary Chapel, we go line upon line, verse upon verse, precept upon precept. So if you'll open in your words to Acts chapter 15, as we look to God's Word, see what treasures and nuggets we can pull out of God's Word today. Interesting scriptures that we're going to talk about today. That's one of the things I love about Calvary Chapel, is you go line by line, verse upon verse, through the entire counsel of God. One of the things sometimes that are difficult about for me in preaching at Calvary Chapel is you go line for line, verse upon verse, and you can't duck any verses. You can't hide away when you see a verse and go, I really don't want to teach with that. Uh, Wrong answer. You teach through the Bible, and when it's there, we talk about it. So if you've turned in your word, Acts 15, verses 46 through 41, if you would read silently, I'll read aloud. Beginning in 36. Then after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us now go back and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Now Barnabas was determined to take with them John called Mark, but Paul insisted that they should not take with them the one who had departed from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. Then the contention became so sharp that they parted from one another. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, being commended by the brethren to the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Sicilia, strengthening the churches. Once upon a time, there was a body. It had enjoyed a healthy birth and a normal growth. Although there had been times of brief sickness and discomfort, these things, they went through the usual healing processes. And the body continued to grow and function. Then one day, the toes began to discuss among themselves the importance of wearing comfortable shoes. In the course of the conversation, it was observed that no other part of the body was in the habit of wearing shoes. But shoes are necessary for the protection of the body, exclaimed the shoes, especially the big toe. We need to convince the other members of the body that they should also take up wearing shoes. But alas, 
The other members of the body could not see the need and would not comply with such demands. The toes decided that for the good of the body, they would separate themselves from the other members of the body. This had raised questions with the various members of the body, what they ought to wear. The legs stated that trousers were the only proper apparel. The torso claimed that the shirt should be worn. The hands disagreed, saying nothing was necessary, but a glove was nice now and then. The members of the body began to quarrel with one another, with the result that each member decided to withdraw from those other members with whom there was disagreement. It ended, the body died. Sounds silly, doesn't it? Yet, this simple story serves to illustrate why there are so many churches that are dying today. Why there are so many things happening within churches that seem to make it difficult for the Word of God to get out. In 1 Corinthians 1, verses 10 through 17, the Apostle Paul addressed this issue with the Corinthian believers. The church of Corinth was divided. There were divisions within the church, and these divisions were threatening to tear the church apart. In far-off Ephesus, Paul heard the news that these divisions had plagued the church, and he moved to deal with the problem. Listen to what he says in these verses. Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it has been declared to me concerning you, my brethren, by those of Chloe's household, that there are contentions among you. Now I say this, each of us of you says, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Cephas, I'm of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius. At least anyone should say that I baptized in my own name. Yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanus. Besides, I do not know whether I baptized any other. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, least the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. The ancient Greek word here used for division is schismata. It's where we get the English word schism. It doesn't mean to party or faction. It means to tear or rent apart. The church at Corinth had some serious problems. They had polarized themselves into cliques. If they were not part of their particular group, they didn't pay any attention to you. Notice that this case of disunity was not a doctrinal issue. I want to make that clear. The case in Corneth was not a doctrinal issue, nor is the case that we're going to study today. There are many doctrinal problems in the church today, and there were in the church of Corneth, and disunity is not a part of this particular case. You know, there are times when there ought to be division in the church because of disunity, because of doctrinal issues. When someone holds a false doctrine or when someone rejects a biblical teaching, it's time for disunity. When a person rejects the teaching that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, they don't belong to the church. A person who does not believe that salvation is the gift from God has no place in the community of believers. John Corson in his commentary of 1 Corinthians says this, the church in Corneth was divided into four groups. Some said, we follow Paul, the founder of this fellowship. Others said, Paul's not impressive, we follow Apollos. He is truly an elegant orator a powerful personality, a true intellectual. And the third group said, Apollos may be a skilled worker, but we can't figure out what he says. We follow Paul, a great fisherman. He speaks practically and simply. The fourth group said, we don't follow any man, we follow Christ. 
John Corson goes on to say, these same groups can be found today. We're going to say what the pastor who founded the church, some would say. Others would say, we want someone more eloquent. Another would say, we want someone more practical. Another group would say, we only want Jesus. Perhaps it's the last group, we only want Jesus, that could be the most proud because of their mentality. Their mentality is like that of a private in the United States Army who when they asked what division or company he belonged to, he said, I'm not into companies or divisions. I'm a freelancer. I fight where I want. I come and go as I please. I'm a soldier, but I only answer to my commander-in-chief, the president of the United States of America. There are those who say I'm not responsible or accountable, and I'm not linked to any pastor, elder, or group of brothers. I only answer to Jesus. You know, although Jesus is indeed our commander-in-chief, we need answer to him. He has chosen the work through the structure of the church, and there is order and authority in the church structure, and we need to recognize that. Division, schismata, tearing apart the body of Christ when the body of Christ is divided, when the body of Christ is torn and rent into pieces. Who bleeds? Christ. Christ bleeds. It seems that throughout church history, we can see painful and disturbing evidence of divisions, and sadly, we see divisions today. When Paul wrote to the church of Corinth, he wasn't a stranger to division. And as we read and study today's text, we're going to get a glimpse of what can cause division and the ultimate result division brings. I wondered when I read these verses in 1 Corinthians if Paul, when he was writing this, remembered what happened between he and Barnabas in those early days. I wonder if this was in remembrance to him. You remember Paul and Barnabas, the dream team, the original dream team, I might add. They had just returned from their first missionary journey. They came home to the church of Antioch, the church that had sent them out by the Holy Spirit. When they came home, they found themselves in the midst of a huge hoop-baha, or is it brouhaha, a big fight, a big struggle between the Judaizers of the law and the grace of God for salvation through Jesus Christ. They were smack dab in the middle of it. You know, these guys, Barnabas and Paul, were instrumental in the Jerusalem council. They were instrumental in being witnesses of what the Lord was doing among the Gentiles and in the Gentile nations. They saw with their own eyes the unity of the church in Jerusalem. They saw the unity of the brethren. They saw the agreement that was reached and how the unity oversaw and overshadowed all the problems and they went forth as one body. Paul and Barnabas witnessed this. They were sent from Jerusalem as special envoys. They carried with them the letter, and that letter symbolized that unity. That's the letter they carried. When they arrived back in Antioch, they encouraged the believers in the Lord about this unity. There was exhortation. There was strengthening. Remember the teaching and preaching of the Word of God we studied last week? The Lord continued His mighty work in Antioch. The church of Antioch was becoming the center of Christianity. It was taking over the center of Christianity from the church in Jerusalem. What an exciting time this must have been. Have you ever been involved with a revival of sorts, or maybe you've gone to a crusade or some big event where many, many, many people got saved? The electrifying happens there, the the excitement, the power that's there when you see all these people coming forward, their hearts being touched by the Holy Spirit, and they're making a profession of faith in Jesus Christ. What a grand time that must be. 
I've been witness to that in many, many Red Glory Crusades. And even when Billy Graham was in Philadelphia in the 90s, I was there. Thousands upon thousands of people would come forward and make a profession of faith. What an exciting time that was to me as a young Christian. What an exciting time to see all those people getting saved. And that's what was happening in the church of Antioch. And that's what was happening while they were there. And as they were there doing all these things, as they were there, and as we start our study today, we see that after these things, the Spirit began to move in the heart of Paul and Barnabas again. And the Spirit started to say, this is what I want you to do. Let's look at verse 36. Then after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us now go back and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. What I see here is a normal reaction to encouragement, exhortation, and strengthening in the Word of God. This is a normal reaction. Remember last week I mentioned to you that although numbers do not necessarily indicate a healthy church, but a healthy church could always and should always produce numbers? This is what happens when people hear the Word of God, when people study the Word of God, when they're encouraged, when they're exhorted, when they know and strengthen in the Word of God. They go out and tell others. They go out and evangelize. They go out and share the news of Jesus Christ with others. Wasn't this what Jesus Christ was talking about as we looked at the beginning of Acts, Acts 1, verse 8? Why is the Holy Spirit coming upon you? To be witnesses of me in Jerusalem, Samaria, Judea, to the outermost portions of the world. So when you're strengthened in a body and when you're encouraged in the body, you naturally go forth and you start discipling. You start evangelizing. And great things happen. Because of this, the Spirit comes upon Paul and Barnabas and says, I want to go back and visit the other churches. Go back and see how they're doing. Let's check them out. Let's see what's going on. Take that letter that was been given to you and show them the unity of the church. Show them that grace by faith alone is the only way to salvation, that they don't need the law. They don't need to be circumcised. Christ has fulfilled the law in their hearts, and that's what they need, grace through faith. Take that letter. Encourage them. Evangelism is always a result of the word of God, the result of a personal relationship. When you realize what God has done for you, when you realize what God has done in your heart, you want other people to know that. You want other people to have that. You want other people to come into that king, that glorious relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what's in your heart. Barnabas and Paul wanted to go back to the church that they had planted. You know, many who are church planters today go back and encourage those where the churches have been planted. In Vineland, Pastor Frank from Vineland, when he was in Europe, he planted many churches over there in Europe. He started many Calvary chapels that are still in existence today. And every year, every year, he goes back for two weeks and visits some of them. What an encouragement this must be to those missionaries who are out there in these churches in Europe. What an Wonderful example of encouragement. This is what Paul and Barnabas wanted to do. And this shows the real heart of a pastor. Pastor Paul had this great heart. He wasn't content to plant churches. He wanted to see them nurtured. He wanted to see them grow in the grace and grow in their faith. He wasn't satisfied with what was going on. I like this from David Gusick. He says, Paul had the heart of both an obstetrician, bringing people into the body of Christ, and a pediatrician, growing people up into the body of Christ, like that. Paul had that pastor heart. He wanted to see people saved, and he wanted to see them discipled. 
We've talked about this before. When somebody reaches salvation, it's just not another notch on our belt. What do you do with the person after they've reached salvation? Have a great life in the Lord now. Praise God, brother. We'll see you around. No. You need to disciple the person. You need to show them the love of God. You need to disciple them from where they are. You need to show them what God wants to do in their life. They need to know. That's why we started our New Believer Study. That's why we've been working on our New Believer Study. So those that made profession of faith can know what our faith is all about, can know what's going on. This is a wonderful time that Paul and Barnabas are experiencing. They must be higher than kites. I mean, they must be so high on the Lord, having a great time. But what happened next, I think, took them by surprise. I don't think they were quite ready for this, what was coming on. I don't think they were ready. They had both agreed it was time to go back to Cyprus to the churches that they planted. But they couldn't agree on the team. They couldn't agree on who was to go. Let's look at verses 37 and 38. Now Barnabas was determined to take with them John, called Mark, but Paul insisted that they should not take with them the one who had departed from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them in the work. Right away, you should recognize two words there in this verses. Two words that could bring about disagreement. Two words that could cause division. You see them? Determined and insisted. Look at this says. Barnabas was determined to take with him John called Mark. Paul insisted that they should not take him with them. Determined and insisted. One of them was determined. One of them was insisting. I want my way, and I'm determined to get it. No, I insist we have my way. I want to take John Mark. I don't. I do. I don't. I do. We are. We are not. M, not. M, not. Probably didn't go that way. John Mark. You remember John Mark? We talked about John Mark in chapter 13. He was one of the original dream team. He went with Paul and Barnabas to Cyprus the first time, remember? But he left. He was the first casualty. We talked about John Mark being the first casualty of the first missionary journey. Back in Acts 13, 13, it says, Now when Paul and his party set sail for Paphos, they came to Perge in Pamphylia, and John, departing from them, returned to Jerusalem. He left the group. He left the group, and nobody knows why. It was right after they had this huge battle for the soul of Sergio Paulus. Remember? They fought with the sorcerer Elymas. This must have been too much for John Mark because he left soon afterwards. We have no idea why he left. The scriptures don't tell us, so we can't surmise. But we do know from reading today's scriptures that the Apostle Paul was none too happy about John Mark leaving. He was none too happy about John Mark's departure. Let's look at both sides, shall we? We need to remember a few things about John Mark and Barnabas. Number one, according to Colossians 4, verse 10, John Mark was Barnabas' cousin. He was family. And also remember that Barnabas was known as what? According to Acts 4.36, the son of encouragement. He even encouraged Paul and brought Paul to the church of Antioch. So naturally, naturally, Barnabas would want to restore a brother and bring a brother along to give him another chance. That was his nature. He was an encourager. That's what he wanted to do. 
Barnabas was determined to take John Mark. A determined person has a firm or fixed purpose, a firm resolution. Do you know, have you ever seen somebody really determined? They have that look on their face? Like they're really determined to do something? Husbands, we won't go there, but you've probably seen that look once or twice in your wife's eyes when she's asked you to do something. That determined look? When I coached boys track in Colorado, we had a champion discus thrower. I mean, this kid was incredible. He beat everybody in every place and every single meet we went to the entire season from his junior year to his senior year, he finished first. The only contest he couldn't win was the state championship. And as a senior, we all knew that he would be state champion of the state of Colorado in 4A discus. This guy was really strong. He had a problem, though. He had a temper. He was a strong kid, and if he hit you, it would leave a mark. Well, right before the state meet, he had heard that Another kid on another team had said something about he and his girlfriend. This did not sit well with our discus thrower. And he started to brood about it. And he had that look that I was talking about, that determined look. I knew what was going to happen. He knew what was going to happen. Everybody in both schools knew what was going to happen. So as we were boarding the bus to go to the state championship meet, I stepped in front of him. I said, this way. We walked over here. I said, now. You have a chance to win the state championship of Colorado. You are a senior. This could possibly get you a scholarship into a college. I said, you need to think what you're going to do now and think about your event that's coming up. Okay, coach. Okay, coach. I said, I'm telling you now, don't do anything rash or stupid. Okay, coach. Okay, coach. He went up, got in the back of the bus. Coach is always sitting in the front, and I'm driving there, and I'm looking back at him. He's going, the entire time, the bus ride, about 15-minute bus ride. That's all he did was, you could see it building in him. You can see it building in them. We get off the bus. We're okay, right? You're okay now. You're going to go down there? Yeah, I'm all right, coach. I'm okay. You're sure? Yeah, I'm okay, coach. I'm okay. All right, now, go down there and throw your best thing. He walks down to the place where the discus is throwing. He walks over there, checks in with the scorer, walks over there, puts his disc down, walks right over to where the kid was standing. Gone. Disqualified. You're out. No state champion, no nothing, no scholarship. See ya, you're gone. But he was determined. He was determined to have his way. Sometimes you can be so determined to be right that you end up wrong. Barnabas was determined to take John Mark. Was he wrong? Who's to say? Now, the Apostle Paul, on the other hand, His verbiage was he insisted that John Mark not go. He was insisting that John Mark not go. Listen to the definition of insisting. It means to press or urge for anything with immovable firmness, to persist in demands, as to insist in oppressive terms in a treaty, or to insist on the immediate payment of a debt. The stories you've been hearing about Peter, Paul, Stephen, and the many other followers of Jesus are meant to inspire you and encourage you. These brave people lived long ago and had the privilege of seeing the gospel message spread from its point of origin, Jesus himself. Their testimony and diligence in spreading the good news of hope and new life 
changed hearts and saved countless people, and continues on even today through the writings in Acts and the rest of the New Testament. However, the lives you were studying weren't without trial. Each disciple of Jesus faced persecution in some form, yet it never swayed them to abandon their faith. What difficulties are you facing for Jesus now? Don't lose heart. Remember that you're sharing the truth and that the truth can set people free. You have the Savior of the world on your side, and He will stand with you through every trial and triumph. We're so glad you joined us for today's edition of Assure Hope as we continue to study the book of Acts with Pastor Dave Shank. If you'd like to listen to more teachings, we invite you to visit our website, assurehoperadio.com. Feel free to download and share Pastor Dave's teachings or subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Are you in the Cape May area? If so, we want to meet you. Come join us this Sunday at 10 a.m. at Calvary Chapel, Cape May to learn more from the Word, sing praises to your Lord, and fellowship with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Find out more at assurehoperadio.com. Thanks for joining us today on Assure Hope. Rescue.